From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, Andy speaks with Megan Anderson, ISU Extension Field Specialist, about the discovery of 2,4-D-resistant water hemp. Riley is joined by Pat Dierichs to discuss corn rootworm insecticide from AMVAC. And I will talk with Kurt Alice of Farmers Business Network about their sustainability programs for 2024. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Well, happy Ashentine's Day to everybody out there. Yes, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day on the same day this year. Welcome to <laughs> Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Huffman. Andy Peterson's chuckling in the background. You know, you got to think of different ways of, you know, when you got two holidays together, you got to find different ways to, to celebrate them. And then you got to use shortened words, you know, in this day and age. Yeah, something like that. Although I'll tell you this, something that we're, we're not celebrating is the news that we're breaking here on Iowa Ag Matters today, which is more resistance issues in um, fields across the state of Iowa. Now, I should caveat that to say these water hemp resistant to 2,4-D were found in a ditch that had been constantly sprayed with 2,4-D. Uh, Wright County is where um, the uh, report was made, and Iowa State experts, along with our friends at Corteva, did extensive testing, and they found that the seeds that they collected from the ditch were the ones that were resistant. The seeds they collected from the adjacent field were still able to be killed by 2,4-D. So that's certainly good news. That's sort of a very broad description of what we're talking about uh to say that we have it's the first case of um 24d resistance in water hemp in Iowa however 24d as Megan Anderson is going to tell us as we learn more coming up is still a very effective tool it just needs to be managed which is of course important we'll get to that on the way right now let's dive into the marketplace Mark Magnuson with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net joined today by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net for our opening discussion Jim what are we seeing taking place in the grains all right now we are seeing a little bit of weakness unfortunately we've had uh you know corn down a few cents beans down three to five wheat was down really hard last night a lot of the weakness, I would argue, has to do with the weather being a little bit malane. I mean, there's still some little bit of problems in South America, but overall, you'd say it's okay. But the big problem is the reaction to what the dollar did. The dollar surged to three month three month highs yesterday in reaction to that inflationary number yesterday, which essentially suggested the Fed may not gonna probably is not gonna cut interest rates anytime soon. A lot of the trade was anticipating that to happen, maybe as early as March. So we hard, saw a hard correction down in the equities. The dollar was up sharply. When you get that higher dollar move up, it just hurts our competitiveness, competitiveness on the world market, hence the weakness in the grain market. So, Jim, we received the WASD report last week. We got the consumer data yesterday. What is the next big report that we're kind of looking forward to that could move the market potentially? Well, it's really going to be interesting. Um, we have a report out tomorrow, and it, it's it's not really a report per se, Mark. It is the um, the Outlook Forum meeting that the government does every year here in Virginia. And what it is is tomorrow they're going to release their first guess, and I'm going to argue it is a guess of what they may that balance sheet may look like for the 24-24 crop year or the 24-25, excuse me, crop year. Um, the early estimates from the industry, we're thinking we're probably going to lose about 3 million acres of corn. Um, you know, you're going to come down from around 94.6 million acres this year, probably closer to 91.6 million acres. But if you tag a trend line yield into it, you're looking at a production over 15 billion bushels. 
And the reality is 15 billion bushel production is about 500 million higher than the current demand for this year. So you're going to see your carryout grow and maybe push somewhere around the 2.4, 2.5 billion bushel carryout. So you're going to get a little bit of negative number tomorrow on the corn. On the beans, it's the same situation. If we're going to lose corn acres, Mark, where are they going to go to? Some may go to cotton, some may go to spring wheat, but most of them are pro- those corn acres are probably going to go to beans. The average trade guess is 86.7 million acres of beans. You throw a trend line yield on, you're looking at about a 4.42 billion production. Average trade guess for ending stocks are thinking somewhere around 400 to, you know, the high end says over 500. The ending stock number for beans is really going to be determined on how quickly we can spin up all those renewable diesel plants. Well, we'll hear more from Jim McCormick of agmarket.net later on in the program talking about the livestock markets. But right now, Andy Peterson's back with us, and he's got his three big Iowa ag matters. Number three. Continuing the decline, the number of farmers and ranchers in the United States continues to go down according to the latest Census of Agriculture data that shows fewer farmers and ranchers in business in 2022 compared to previous census. We've got 141,000 fewer farms than we did five years ago. 20 million fewer acres farmed than we had five years ago. As the world rolls forward, it's really important to have enough land to produce the ever-growing needs of the world. That's one of the reasons why Farm Bureau is so supportive of conservation programs that focus on working land. And it's one of the reasons why the Farm Bill itself is so important to help farmers keep getting through the tough years so that they can keep producing in the long run. Now, American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist Roger Cryan says the Census of Ag offers a wealth of data across all of agriculture, and you can learn more at fb.org. Number two. Continuing to increase food prices in January, according to the latest Consumer Price Index, grocery prices were up slightly, about three-tenths of one percent on a seasonally adjusted basis after rising two-tenths of a percent in December. Over the past 12 months, all items index increasing 3.1 percent, which is certainly concerning as we look to limit inflation of all kinds, including the cost of eating. Number one. Another case of herbicide resistance being discovered in Iowa. This time, it's water hemp that are resistant to 2,4-D. Now, there's some nuances to it. Water hemp plants were in a ditch that had been under constant usage of 2,4-D for quite a while. According to Iowa State's Megan Anderson, they were actually able to kill uh, the water hemp in the crop field um, when they tested it, right? They tested that seed in uh, a greenhouse, uh, but they were not able to successfully kill, or at least it was concerning enough that they're calling a suspected um, resistant population in that, that ditch. She adds she has zero concerns about 240's effectiveness across millions of acres for the upcoming 24 growing season, but adds responsible herbicide management is key in regard to full rates and making sure the weeds that get sprayed indeed are killed in order to slow down further resistance issues. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com. 
Well, we're talking about herbicide resistance here, 2,4-D resistance, first case in Iowa. Wasn't that long ago that we thought we didn't need to use insecticides either, and now rootworms have said otherwise. Pat Derricks from AMVAC has the latest in just a moment. Well, they don't call it the billion-dollar pest for nothing. Corn rootworm wreaks havoc on our corn production. Pat Garricks of AMVAC has more on what they've got now to help control that pest. Plenty of things to talk about at this time of year, Pat. Uh, let's just go ahead and start off on uh, just tell us a bit about uh, what's being offered by AMVAC and what farmers need to be looking at at this time of year. Yeah, AMVAC has three platforms that we work with. We start with our core products, which handle our granular soil insecticides. For corn rootworm, which are an uptick right now in, in our community, so having the opportunity to manage the corn rootworm pest with hard chemistry as well as our biological, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to our green solutions platform. We also have a lineup of herbicides for both corn and soybeans that fit every trait or non-trait. So let's talk about that insecticide right away, talking corn rootworm. Like you said, we're in an uptick right now, also dealing with weather issues, drought conditions. The last thing we need on top of that is the corn rootworm, and it's the thing you need to get ahead of it, not deal with it um, you know, reactively. So just tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys are offering uh, to kind of help those farmers out. Yeah, we have four different granular soil insecticides. As the weather continues to uh, be favorable for an increase of corn rootworm activity, uh, we have every solution you need from a, a granular soil insecticide perspective. We also have a liquid called Index uh, that's very flexible depending on what your needs are. So then, you know, you mentioned the flexibility in the side of things, and I think that's a, a thing that a lot of farmers really value. So looking at the side of the flexibility, how does that planning or process go of making sure you have that data and then having that plan to make sure it fits your operation? Yeah, from a from a corn rootworm perspective, I think it's difficult as American agriculture continues to evolve, uh, we are having to do more soil digs, root digs, and as retail is so busy, we're, we're losing that art. Um, and when you see 220 bushel corn and you don't treat, you think it's pretty good if it's standing when you do have treated and you're seeing 242 bushel, you just physically can't see 22 bushel today. And 220 bushel corn can be pretty cool. But without a root dig, you don't know. And, uh, and I've ridden with a lot of people in combines that have demonstrated the necessity for an insecticide on first year corn because we have the the variant that is going on as well as extended diapause. So in, in most cases, first year corn could be treated in some form or fashion with an insecticide. And then of course, you know, obviously huge focus on the pest side of things. You mentioned herbicide as well. Tell us a little bit of uh, what's being offered there. Yeah, AMVAC has the standard in safety with our Impact brand products, starting with Impact, which has been on the market since 2007. Uh, coupled with our branded products that we pre-mix, Impact Core, Senate, Impact Z, to help complement everybody's needs on traits and non-traded corn. Well, of course, we love to get in contact with our local farmers and, and those organizations that are helping support Iowa farmers. And talking right now with Julian Reese, president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, to get an industry update. 
There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter, and, and I managed to get to that point by a no-till, I use cover crops, I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. The uh, expiration of the March contract comes up here in a week and a half or so, spreads widening a little bit, and that is determining, of course, what the basis cash price is set off of. Dustin Hoffman has the latest numbers for you from around the state in just a moment on Iowa Ag Matters. time to run down the elevator prices for you here on this Wednesday on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Huffman. Seeing some sharp losses on a few elevators on their corn bids. Let's see what's going on. Starting at ADM Burlington, they're 20 cents under on corn or 407. Soybeans 12 cents under at 1166. Cargill and Eddyville even today with corn. Cash bid 427. New Co-op Algona, a dime under on corn, 417. Soybeans 55 cents under at 1123 for their cash bid. At Ag State Sheldon, they're 20 cents over on corn, 447. Soybeans 68 cents under. Cash bid 1110. Ag State Alta, a dime under on corn. Cash bid 417. Soybeans 62 cents under at 1116. Cargill Cedar Rapids, they're even today at 427 for corn. Soybeans 15 cents under at 1163. Reminder, they will be closed on Monday for President's Day. Nexus Co-op Marble Rock, they're 15 cents under on corn, 412. Soybeans, 55 cents under at 1123. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, they're even on corn today at 427 for their cash bid. ADM Des Moines, 12 cents under, cash bid 1166 on soybeans. New Co-op Red Oak, a dime under on corn, 417. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1128. Mid-Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, 24 cents under on corn, cash bid 403. Soybeans, 52 cents under at 1126. New Co-op Sheraton, 20 cents under on corn, 407. Soybeans, 55 cents under with a cash bid, 1123. Walk-On Feed Ranch, 17 cents under on corn, $4.10. Soybeans, 61 cents under at 1117. New Co-op Glidden, a dime under on corn, cash bid, 417. Soybeans, 50 cents under at 1128. Innovative Ag Services Farley, 17 cents under on corn, 410. Soybeans, 53 cents under, cash bid, 1125. Cargill Muscatine closed for the season. They'll reopen April 1st. The office is open for regular hours. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to get the most recent price. That's been a check of some of your basis numbers here on Iowa Ag Matters. Stay with us. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board.
we got more markets still to come, including a complete rundown of the midday numbers, as well as some livestock analysis yet on Iowa Ag Matters. Of course, you can get free market analysis sent right to your phones twice a day on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Market Podcast, available through Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Podbean. More Iowa Ag Matters on the way. Find out more at iowaagnet.com. We'll be right back. Well, as we mentioned earlier in the program, some breaking news here on Iowa Ag Matters, and that's been the discovery of some 2,4-D resistant water hemp in a ditch in Wright County. Andy had a chance to catch up with Megan Anderson of Iowa State University to find out what they found and, and what that means going forward. Well, suspected population. So that's always, uh, it's kind of an intensive process to go through to to prove that a population is surviving 2,4-D at an unexpectedly high rate compared with like what a natural population out in the environment might do. And so they, I believe they've gone through one round of testing and they'll do one more this spring. And so if it survives, like they think it has been right, if it's proven to be resistant, then they, they should be able to do that yet this summer. So let's talk a little bit about the case and that uh, Corteva had reported a potential 240 resistance. Now it's in a ditch, right? It's not in the field, which changes the conversation a little bit. Yeah, it does change the conversation a little bit, but I think it still serves as a, a good warning to all of us because we know that 240 is being used on a widespread basis a lot more than it was, say, 10 years ago. And so this was a case where I, I believe a farmer reported, uh, I don't know if it was a control failure, just a concerning survival within the crop field. And so uh, Corteva sent some folks out there and and they collected seed from water hemp that were both in the crop field as well as water hemp that were in this uh, ditch area adjacent to the field. And so they were actually able to kill uh, the water hemp in the crop field um, when they tested it, right? They tested that seed in uh, a greenhouse, uh, but they were not able to successfully kill, or at least it was concerning enough that they're calling a suspected um, resistant population in that, that ditch anyway. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this, obviously, or have at length with the um, glyphosate and what's happened with resistance issues there. So the concern, obviously, is that we continue to lose modes of action in broadly herbicide control with no new ones on the horizon in the absence, I guess, of um, proper management. So that's, I think, probably as much as anything, the warning here is make sure that uh, Make sure that the rates are as they should be and and that uh, you're doing due diligence here so we can maintain the integrity of 2,4-D. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of things we need to keep in mind for the future of chemical weed control because we know that that's, you know, by far the most effective, broadly effective and efficient option for controlling weeds in the size of uh, crop production that we're doing here in Iowa. And so making sure that we are using... Um, you know, focusing on that kind of whole system of the chemistry and everything from when we start out in the spring, making sure that we are using full rates of effective pre-emergent herbicides, and then following up with a timely manner using effective post-herbicides. And oftentimes we're going to want more residual in because of the way uh, water hemp grows, uh, right? It just emerges over such a long period of time that we need to have a long period of weed control to be able to effectively try to manage it. Uh, but we are kidding ourselves if we think that that herbicides are are going to 
you know, be what we'll be able to get away with long into the future. I'm sure there'll be lots of conversation about this in the future. I guess the last thing that I wanted to ask you, how, how concerned are you with this news now, given what's happened with Dicamba and the court system here earlier in the week? I mean, that's a really good question, right? I think that- That's why I asked it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, I think we already knew this was happening, right? So like, this is this is not at all surprising to me, right? And to think that it's just this one field in Wright County, Iowa is, is you know, totally mistaken, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's happening all over the state. Um, but I think we have really good managers. And so uh, those farmers who have had clean fields in the past- uh, they're the ones that are adapting to these changes and and they have smaller water populations that are being exposed to these chemistries. And so I think on the whole, for the most part, we're able to figure out how to control water hemp still like really well, considering how many resistances our water hemp populations have. It's very impressive. Excellent. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Andy. Well, definitely some interesting things going on and stuff we're going to have to keep an eye on is we know there's never a magic bullet to dealing with this weed resistance. Well, Andy, as long as we got you here, let's have you go through those big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Continuing the decline, the number of farmers and ranchers in the United States continues to go down according to the latest Census of Agriculture data that shows fewer farmers and ranchers in business in 2022 compared to previous census. We've got 141,000 fewer farms than we did five years ago. 20 million fewer acres farmed than we had five years ago. As the world rolls forward, it's really important to have enough land to produce the ever-growing needs of the world. That's one of the reasons why Farm Bureau is so supportive of conservation programs that focus on working land. And it's one of the reasons why the Farm Bill itself is so important to help farmers keep getting through the tough years so that they can keep producing in the long run. Now, American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist Roger Cryan says the Census of Ag offers a wealth of data across all of agriculture, and you can learn more at fb.org. Number two. Continuing to increase food prices in January, according to the latest consumer price index, grocery prices were up slightly, about three-tenths of one percent on a seasonally adjusted basis after rising two-tenths of a percent in December. Over the past 12 months, all items index increasing 3.1 percent, which is certainly concerning as we look to limit inflation of all kinds, including the cost of eating. Number one. Another case of herbicide resistance being discovered in Iowa. This time, it's water hemp that are resistant to 2,4-D. Now, there's some nuances to it. Water hemp plants were in a ditch that had been under constant usage of 2,4-D for quite a while. According to Iowa State's Megan Anderson, they were actually able to kill uh, the water hemp in the crop field um, when they tested it, right? They tested that seed in uh, a greenhouse, uh, but they were not able to successfully kill, or at least it was concerning enough that they're calling a suspected um, resistant population in that, that ditch. She adds she has zero concerns about 240's effectiveness across millions of acres for the upcoming 24 growing season, but adds responsible herbicide management is key in regard to full rates and making sure the weeds that get sprayed indeed are killed in order to slow down further resistance issues. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Act Matters. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. 
Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, midday market's rolling right along, and we're going to go ahead and get a full update on that. Andy and Mark will have that next here on Iowa Ag Matters. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Grain markets are lower at midday with wheat leading the way down. Part of the weakness stems from anticipation of bearish numbers during this week's Outlook Forum. Despite these not being official estimates, the trade may react to what the USDA says anyway. The average trade guess for corn carryout at the USDA Ag Outlook Forum is 2.49 billion bushels. In addition, corn yield is expected to be increased by 5 to 6 bushels above last year's 177.3 bushels per acre. This may be somewhat offset by lower acres. Central Brazil looks to be dry for the next couple of days, but widespread rains expected to return to both the central and northern areas for the remainder of the month. Southern regions in Brazil, as well as Argentina, look to remain on the drier side. The average trade guess for soybean carryout at the USDA Ag Outlook Forum, 420 million bushels. In addition, both acreage and yield expected to rise, leading to potential production of over 4.4 billion bushels. Malaysia reported the lowest palm oil production for nine months, which had palm oil up 1.1%. So far, soybean oil not showing much reaction and trading in negative territory this morning. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Here are the livestock numbers on this Valentine's Day. We see that uh, daily estimated slaughter totals cattle-wise 125,000 head. Same as a week ago and a year ago. Boxes are weaker here at midday. On fairly heavy movement, 66 loads of choice cut selling down a buck 81 to 292.27. 24 loads of select moving at 285.30 down a buck 72, and that spread narrows even more. Now under seven dollars to 6.97. Over on the pork side, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 486,000 head. That's 5,000 less than a week ago. 12,000 more than a year ago. Pork cash markets look like this. Yesterday's trade wrapped up for comparison purposes. Barrows and gilts. Producers sold on a carcass basis. Negotiated purchase-wise, we finished with 4,310 head of sales. The weighted average price sharply higher, up 298 to 68.19. As far as formula purchases go, pretty strong run, 160,000 head and some change. Weighted average price 73.65, so that market finished about 32 cents stronger. As far as what's happening here this morning so far, we see 3,248 head of negotiated purchases, and we're sharply lower, down 203 on the weighted average price to 6603. Formula purchases, we see 111,000 head of sales, and the weighted average price is actually stronger by $1.10 to 7486. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is, corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. 
at midday. March corn down seven and three quarters at 423 even. March soybeans down 11 and a quarter at 1175 even. March soybean meal up 80 cents at 345.60. March soybean oil down 81 cents at 46.49. March oats down seven and a half at 374 and a quarter. On the Merck, February live cattle down $1.22 at 182.52. March feeder cattle down $3 even at 2.45 even. April lean hogs up $3.30 at 84.37. April pork cutout up 62 cents at 88.75. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Continuing the conversation market-wise as we focus on livestock information. Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, visiting with Mark Magnuson right now. Let's switch over to the other side of the ag marketplace and the livestock complex. What are we seeing taking place with the protein sector? We saw a little bit of a correction yesterday in the livestock, but, you know, the April cattle pulled right back the last couple of days. It's still hanging above the 200-day and 100-day, which are converging right around this 184.40 to 184.50 level. I think that's a little bit of technical support. Overall, the demand seems to be very, very strong in the cattle market. Uh, when you go out to eat, a lot of people are going there. The supply is tightening, so hopefully that'll keep this cattle market in somewhat of a bull market. The, cow, the hog market's just kind of sloppily trading around. The Chinese are on vacation for the Chinese New Year. But in general, general Mark, if that cattle market firms up a little bit or continues to trend up, that should be somewhat supportive of the hogs, hopefully. When we think about the beef prices going forward, we've been talking about this for a long time, the beef prices being high in the supermarket. But when we think about the numbers in the cattle herd and just looking kind of towards the next year, we just have to assume those prices are going to stay high. But kind of what's the overall outlook there? Well, I, I think right now, I, I think you just got to, you know, in general, I think you got to be somewhat optimistic of the beef prices, the consumers hanging in there. Uh, when you look at that cattle herd size, the fact is the cattle herd size is as tight as it's been in 50 years. You know, to actually expand the supply of cattle, you almost got to contract it, you know, as you retain heifers. So I think overall, I'm a little bit optimistic of this cattle market. I think there's, you know, if the economy hangs in there, and historically we have a pretty strong economy in presidential election years, if we hang in there into the spring and summertime, it would not surprise me if we challenge the old contract highs. We've talked a lot recently because we had Iowa Pork Congress here in Des Moines, and we were talking about the outlook for hogs. And it's kind of the similar sentiment that I think we heard towards the end of 2022. Getting through this rough patch, yes, it has been very difficult for hog producers, but once they are able to potentially weather this storm, there can still be some light on the end of the tunnel. And kind of what are you looking at with the outlook for hogs going into this full year? I would agree. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, the, the beef price supply is going to stay relatively tight. That'll keep the market up. That should pull the hogs up a little bit. Feed costs, unfortunately, for the grain producers is probably going to go down. They don't want to hear that. But if you're an end user, you're going to like to see the potential of lower prices if we have good crops. And then the Chinese. We know the Chinese liquidated a good chunk of their of their hog herd earlier this year or late last year. Um, if they could get their economy going, Mark, that's a big problem for the world right now. Chinese economies continue to struggle. Their stock market's down quite a bit. Their housing market's down. If the Chinese could get that economy going, being the fact that's such a huge driver of growth and demand in the world, that would also do wonders for the hog market. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. 
This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, the conversation continues around multiple issues in agriculture that maybe don't directly relate to placing seeds in soil and helping nurture them to grow and produce sustainability, economics, marketing, right? And of course, emissions scoring are all very relevant. Kurt Ellis, the Farmers Business Network, brings us up to speed straight ahead here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, of course, we know that there are a lot of companies out there that are supporting farmers and also getting them better return on investment, and especially when it comes to carbon capture and all those programs. And Kurt Ellis of Farmers Business Network sat down with Mark Magnuson to talk about the programs they run and success they saw in 2023 and also their partnership with ADM and the Regenerations Program. We hear more right now. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Kurt Alice. He is the head of sustainability at Farmers Business Network. And Kurt, good to talk with you here today. I know that you're very excited about how your programs worked in 2023 and all the people that got involved. Could we start off there and just talk about what a big year 2023 was for the programs on the sustainability side at FBN? Yeah, definitely. We're, you know, we're, we're in between crop years right now. Um, and so we're still finishing up a lot of uh, work from 23. We still have farmers submitting information to us. We're calculating outcomes. Uh, we're we're uh, uh, quantifying the rewards that farmers are going to get. So we're very much still in it right now. Um, but we're very proud to say we had uh, about 3,500 farmers participating in our programs uh, with partners over this past year, uh, about three and a half million acres. Um, And then we're gearing up for a big uh, uh, crop year 24, uh, looking to hopefully double the size of our programs um, and uh, uh, provide some new offerings um, as well, um, in addition to expansion. So uh, for us right now, um, we're we're in the thick of it, um, but we couldn't be more excited for uh, crop year 24. So, Kurt, you talk about that timeline of being in between growing seasons right now, but what is the timeline for folks who still want to get involved for 2024? Are all the programs still available? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're going to be rolling out programs uh, from from now until uh, the beginning um, of summer. And so the best way uh, to learn about what programs are offering now, what you can sign up for, or what you're eligible for is just to go to FBN.com, find the sustainability tab in your account. Um, and basically, we're continuing to have more programs um, in uh, that tab. So, uh, you know, for any given farm, uh, there's going to be a different program fit um, that's right for a soil type, a geography, certain crop rotation. Um, and so the best way to know, you know what's available now um, is just to go to that sustainability tab at FBN.com. And then we'll be making announcements uh, through uh, the, the next few months when new programs are live. Kurt, let's talk about some of those partnerships on the sustainability side, and we'll start off with ADM and the Regenerations Program. I know that was a big one in 2023. Um, What are we looking forward to in this year with the partnership with ADM? Yeah, yeah, we're really excited uh, about uh, more growth um, in uh, the partnership um, with ADM. Um, We'll be rewarding this in this coming growing season, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, canola, peanuts, 
um, potentially cotton. Um, there's a whole bunch of new programs there. Farmers can earn up to $25 an acre uh, for programs with ADM. Again, this is ADM Regeneration's program. FBN's providing uh, that infrastructure uh, to facilitate the program. Um, and that program uh, continues to grow in, in geography as well. Uh, it'll be live across uh, at least 18 states, uh, three Canadian provinces. And so um, just expanded uh, interest uh, from ADM, from their downstream customers, uh, continued opportunities in end markets um, uh, for uh, these ecosystem services associated with bushels that ADM is buying. Um, and so really just uh, formalization uh, of a lot of opportunities for growers that already have a relationship with ADM are already delivering uh, to them. Um, and so these programs are really convenient um, and fit really in with how growers are making buying decisions already. Well, Kurt, a lot going on at FBN through the regenerative programs. And I know that you've got a lot you're looking forward to in 2024 for all the sustainability programs. So thank you so much for the time. And we'll speak again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Well, what a program today, Dustin. Holy cow. Uh, I'm exhausted, actually. Breaking news here on Iowa Ag Matters again. Uh, 2,4-D resistance found in water hemp in a ditch in Wright County. The field water hemp able to be killed, but obviously we'll be talking about this for uh, some time to come. And we continue to wait on that dicamba um, uh, update as well as far as going forward using those products. Thanks to Dustin. Thanks to Riley, Mark, and of course you for being here. And we'll have another thrilling Iowa Agnotics tomorrow on the Iowa Agnotics Radio Network. See you then.